0: Hey there, and welcome to another episode of Being at Work. You know that on this show, we talk about pivotal moments that we can all relate to that are often unheard. Today, we're talking about fear. We can all relate to feelings of fear, being terrified, filled with doubt as a leader, not knowing what to do next. Well, today's guest has a theme throughout her career of being terrified and doing it anyway. Grace Tyson is the Co-Founder and CEO of a pre-launch company, backed by Venture Studio High Alpha. The organization is focused on empowering companies to interview and hire effectively and equitably by recording, transcribing and analyzing interviews. Isn't that great? As you'll hear her talk about over and over, she has stepped into new challenges leaving cushy and safe roles as she steps out of her comfort zone. So listen to the practical ways in which she stays focused on her passion in the midst of it all. My key takeaway? Reframe resistance into I am statements. Check it out.
1: I started my career actually as a middle school math teacher Uh, in Newark, New Jersey, and uh, probably the hardest job of my life, to be honest, until now. But I started in in teaching, so really passionate about education. And that's also a common theme. But I was a career shifter. So I I shifted out of education and teaching into sales. And I started uh, in sales at Insight Squared in Boston. They're a sales analytics company as a BDR. So I was cold calling uh, 100 or so people every day and emailing and really drumming up pipeline for the sales team. And honestly, compared to um, compared to teaching, I was nervous to get into the world of, of SaaS, of software as a service. But compared to teaching, it felt a little bit like a breeze. But from there, I, I grew into an account executive role and ultimately changed over to Medaxo, uh, which is an m a software solution. Was an enterprise account executive and then uh, transitioned from that into a sales manager, moved from there uh, from Boston over to Amsterdam for them to start up uh, the European sales office from the ground up and, and build that out. And, and then I joined Chorus and moved to San Francisco, was leading a sales organization there, and then finally got connected with High Alpha and made the move from San Francisco out to Indianapolis this summer in June during the pandemic to to be the co-founder and CEO of Luma. Well, congrats. That's exciting. It is. It's been it's been a, a roller coaster and a whirlwind and everything in between.
0: No doubt you are learning a lot through that <laughs> experience.
1: I really am. Yes. Everything is learning. It, isn't it all? Well, so
0: let's let's back up. I love the transition, all like all all of that. There certainly is like when once you transitioned from this middle school math teacher role into sales, it feels like a lot of those sales roles were like very high growth startup, right? So how's that transition from teaching middle schoolers? You said it was in some ways, it was almost easier in these sales roles, but how, how did that transition come about?
1: It's a, I, I think I, you know, at that point, I, I was really in figure it out mode. I wasn't sure what I wanted to do with my career, um, I knew that it was really important to me. And, and the reason I got into teaching was it's really important to me to to do something that aligns with my values and as a person and, and to feel like very connected to the mission of whatever I'm doing. So, and that, that was what connect that was really what drew me into teaching. And so it was a it was kind of a challenging transition. I actually was a little bit meandering coming out of teaching. I moved to Boston. I worked in restaurants. I served tables as I figured it out and put a lot of thought in that time into what what feels like my passion, what fuels me. And I wasn't sure that sales would be that, to be honest with you. But I had a hunch that the idea of, of being at a company that is growing really quickly and is energetic and forward thinking and innovative did excite me. And so that's what drew me into Insight Squared and, and sales. I also, I get asked a lot about that transition from being a teacher to being in sales. And I kind of laugh because I really feel like I was in sales as a teacher. I was selling the hardest product to the toughest audience, trying to get middle schoolers to enjoy math. So it set me up pretty well for this uh, new challenge. It prepared you. No wonder when you got
0: into this actual sales roles, they were easier since you had that tough audience.
1: Yeah, exactly. It was a more willing uh, audience, actually. <laughs> so then, so
0: through those sales roles, I mean, you, you talked about the like, growth-oriented, energetic, innovative organizations. Well, Grace, that sounds like you. So you were, you were attracted to organizations that were aligned with your values, with your
1: strengths.
0: What were, what were some of the key lessons learned you had in those sales roles?
1: Oh, my gosh. So, so many lessons learned. One, one thing, you know, with sales specifically, one thing I, I learned and that, you know, I, so I went a little bit of background. I went to a liberal arts college. That's, it's really interesting. All of the classes are discussion-based. So very small classes, a lot about asking questions and and pausing and listening and digesting. And that is so important in sales. So that was a big, a big learning and something I, I didn't really realize until I got into sales, how important it is to be genuinely curious And then the other thing I thought was interesting is, which has been sort of a guiding light throughout my sales career is you really need to care. (laughs) You need to really care about, about the person you're, you're trying to help. So focusing on the customer or the potential customer and being genuinely curious to understand their problems and whether your solution can solve them. And if it can't solve them being honest about that, and if it can solve them, really being on the same side of the table as them to figure that out and figure out how best to do that is, is important. So again, like not, not thinking about the quota hanging over your head, not thinking about the big goals you need to reach, but actually thinking about the customer. It, it served me well. Um, it felt, felt like a win-win. So
0: there's a lot of leadership skills in there. You know, the genuine curiosity. Yeah. And I like how you describe it as pausing, listening digesting, like really taking the time to seek to understand what's going on with this person. Well, and then doesn't, isn't that a demonstration of care? You, You talked about how really needing to care, that showing curiosity is a great way to show that you care. Yes. So you're learning these leadership strengths. You had quite a few transitions in there, like the transition from Boston to Amsterdam, the transition from individual contributor to managing a team like tell us about that how how did those transitions play out
1: every time every single time i had a new opportunity i the common thread was was fear <laughs> i was really afraid of of taking the step because even even at insight squared when i had been a business development rep and an account executive i was hesitant to leave because I knew I had built up some, some internal credibility there. People trusted me. They knew me. They knew I could, I could do my job really well. And so I was extremely nervous in each of those transitions about the next step about, honestly, and it goes back to kind of a lack of self-confidence. I was, I was worried about whether I would fail, whether I would be perceived well, whether, you know, basically whether I would be able to do it each time, kind of stepped out into a ledge and it felt pretty uncertain about whether I would be able to to achieve my goals. I remember when I shifted from an account executive at Insight Squared, selling to small to medium-sized businesses, I went to Medaxo selling MA software to, software you know, to the Fortune 500, Fortune 1000. I was terrified <laughs> that I wouldn't be able to do it. And, and same thing too, when I started, I, I went from selling in North America to selling in Europe and and navigating the, the cultural differences and, and not, and I honestly had a heart to heart with my, my VP at that time, Jennifer, who is still a dear friend and mentor of mine. And I, I said, I don't know if there's a market here. I don't know if we can sell this here. And she was like, you need to convince yourself because I know that we can, you need to, you need to be certain that you can do it. So it was this whole. She, I think she still laughs at me about this, but it was an exercise I went through. I, I plotted it out. I, I looked at the addressable market. I, I had to, and I presented this all to her, and she's like, "Yeah, I, I knew this, but, but I'm glad you convinced yourself." She needed you to go
0: through that process, right, to get to it. Yeah, what a great coach, rather than just telling you, right?
1: Absolutely, yeah. She's, she knew me and knows me pretty well, but it's been the same thing transitioning to leading teams and. Certainly, to founding a company where, uh, you know, my my little <laughs> voice inside my head, Grace Junior, we can call her, wants to flee back into the comfort zone every time, and it's a, a constant process of of gaining self confidence and reassuring myself, and it's, it it takes a lot of intentionality. It's not easy. I think that, and I think that I've seen that in a lot of the people on my team too. So definitely something I've struggled with.
0: But it's not like you've just done that once or twice, right? That's like over and over as you were telling us about the journey that got you to where you are. I mean, like, do do you recognize that? That, yeah, like, wow, I've just continued to take leaps and leaps and leaps and what's next? And so it's interesting to hear you say that the common thread is fear because you wouldn't, looking from the outside in, you wouldn't necessarily think that. You would think, oh, my gosh, this is someone who's like always looking for the new thing.
1: Yes, it is I think so I if I feel afraid of something I think like I've started to I have started to um to notice that okay if I'm feeling nervous about this this is something I should lean into that I should I should go for it I should take the step because it is easy I think it's easy to get complacent and to and to want to stick with what's comfortable and what's cushy.
0: So how do you know the difference between inspiration and uh, like a silly idea? Or do they go hand in hand, right? Because I, that's re- it's really interesting. You are the second person today that has shared that sentiment with me of like, if I feel afraid, I should lean into it. Because I, you know, I, I also, like as a coach, I encourage leaders a lot of time to like, listen to that still small voice that's like pushing you along, that's inspired by the potential of an idea. And so that feels very different than fear.
1: You know, I haven't figured it out entirely. I actually, I do work. I work with a coach. She's amazing. I, I, yeah, and I highly recommend everyone to, if they can, have a coach. It's life changing. Exactly. Right.
0: In in lots of ways. Right.
1: Yes. In every way, seriously. Yes. I mean, we. (laughs) She and I talk about the personal and the professional and everything, and and it's so helpful because. It's, it's just really helpful to have that guide. I think it's, for me personally, it's actually pretty hard for me to distinguish. You asked about how do I know, you know, what's a, what's kind of a crazy idea and and shouldn't be followed versus a scary thought that is pushing me. I think, I think I've come to believe that excitement and fear are, are two sides of the same coin. So I don't know, it's, it's, it is hard to distinguish. You know, if you start a new venture or you're really out of your comfort zone, there's a fine line between. Brilliant and insane, <laughs> but the thing is, you you mentioned learning, and I I that's my pulse. I think that's my guide. Is this something where I'm going to be learning and where I'm going to grow? And if it is, I do. I, then I think, okay, even if it's scary, I should lean into it.
0: Well, and even if, yeah, because couldn't that be your definition of success? Is I'm going to learn a ton here. You know, even in we've been reflecting a lot on our year and we did not hit our revenue targets, but we did grow in a couple of our practice areas. And you know what? I learned so much this year that that's a leadership success because I'll take all that experience into all the crazy challenges of my future. That's such a good thing.
1: I love that reframing that you just did of like the, the success is the success is the learning. That reframing has been something I, I I don't think I've totally mastered it, but it's been a hard work in progress with my coach. You know, the, what, what is actually success and and what it's tied to.
0: Yeah. It's a, it's because, well, it's all about perception, isn't it? And we get to choose how to name it and talk about it. And so by framing it that way, it feels very different. So this is good. I I love this. So the common denominator across all these experiences is this piece of being terrified and doing it anyways. So, so talk about the doing it anyways, because there are also then, like, as you're stepping into those new opportunities, there are a lot of things you did, setting up new boundaries and gaining respect through building a team. And so talk more about the, like, the doing it learnings.
1: Oh, my gosh. Yes. So... So many I mean thinking about particularly starting luma and moving moving from San Francisco, moving out of my comfort zone geographically to a new place where I don't have a lot of connections well, I'm starting to now, which is great. people like you are wonderful and it's been an amazing community to step into, but moving and then also starting a new company, I mean some of the learnings for me are and this is again from working with my coach, I feel like I'm an advertisement for coaching right now, but really. <laughs> I do daily affirmations. That's one thing. Like a lot of it is, you know, you start to realize you have thought patterns. For me personally, it's been hard to gain the self-confidence and the intentionality in the way I think and the way I speak. And so just actually being super intentional about catching thought patterns. One thing I've worked on is being cognizant of when I use the word try, for example, because it indicates there's a little bit of apprehension there. I'm not doing it. I'm going to try to do it. Um, And there's a lot that's in my control and I can go beyond merely trying to do something and I can, I can actually commit that I'm going to do it. Very different feeling than trying to do it. Very, I mean, even just the energy
0: behind that, I'm going, I'm going to, I'm going to try, I'm going to, it just feels different.
1: Right. It does feel different. And I think, you know, in starting a business during a pandemic, I did feel very nervous um, and felt a lot of apprehension and was using the word try try, uh, and, and hope I can quite a lot. And so starting to draw consciousness to that and to shift my language, it's, it's actually had an incredible impact on my mental space and how confident I am in the business and myself. So that's one, that's one thing.
0: So are the daily affirmations though, that's, I mean, that's a different strategy than catching thought patterns, right? I mean, I hear two great strategies in that.
1: Yes, I do this every day.
0: Can you give me an, an example of a, of a daily affirmation? Like what's an affirmation today?
1: Yeah. So one, so I do it every day. I do, I I weave in new ones depending on sort of where I'm feeling resistance, my, my mental state, but, but some are, you know, some examples that I do pretty regularly are, I am the perfect person to lead this company. I am the perfect person to solve this problem right now. I am already enough, those sorts of things. And then I'll weave in other things (laughs) depending on my insecurities.
0: Okay. I have to tell you, when you said I am the perfect person to lead this company, like I immediately got tears in my eyes.
1: <laughs> oh.
0: <laughs> no, it's so good. It's, well, it's like it struck a chord. I mean, that's what affirmations are all about. This is the powerful reminders of truth. That is the truth.
1: Yeah. Well, and to be honest, I mean, when I worked with my coach at the off- at the outset with, with starting to figure out what I would, you know, doing those I felt pretty uncomfortable saying those those things. I was like, oh, I feel I just feel uncomfortable saying this. And now I really feel I feel it when I say it and actually feel really powerful after saying it. And it's just it kind of astounded me because I didn't think (laughs) I didn't think I would be into it, to be honest.
0: How do you come up with them? I mean, you said a minute ago that it's places where you feel resistant. So then you just look at what's the resistance and then reframe it.
1: Yes, I reframe it into positive statement. One thing I've been working on is being conscious of when I say I am something because I have I there, you know, oh, I'm, I'm not good at this or I'm, I'm not ready for this or, oh, I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not doing this right. So those are things that I actually would typically say. And so catching the being conscious of I am statements, being powerful and being positive. And so that's, that's really, so a lot of my, my affirmations are, I am, you know, X, I am Y.
0: Make it into existence.
1: <laughs> it really it's
0: works fantastic. Yeah, I with my kids a lot will because there I've got you know an eighteen year old, a thirteen year old, and an eleven year old, and particularly my girls are starting you know the very self conscious and oh my gosh and and I I will st- I will n- nope like is that really what you want to claim <laughs> like like as their mid thought.
1: Yes. I, I feel that very, very much. Um, it's really important to me to rise above some of that like socialized, you know, insecurity or, or feeling of not enough as a female leader. I, I mean, so that's something I work on. I literally work on it every day. <laughs> it's a work in progress.
0: Okay. So daily affirmations, catching thought patterns. Are there other things when you think about like being terrified and doing it anyway? Like what, what, is, what, what helps you to do it?
1: Oh my gosh! Yeah. Oh, that's that's a good question. I mean, I think you know, for one thing, with starting this this company, my background is in sales, and so actually, what terrified me the most in starting this company was being good at sales and and selling the product and doing it well because I felt a lot of pressure on myself to to do it well. And and by the way, I think for me, an added challenge this is this is new to me to be a co founder and selling. And to be selling an early stage product. So basically I had to, I had to really figure out my multiple personalities and the hats that I'm wearing. So one one thing I I do is to you know to prep myself when I'm getting onto sales calls versus when I'm thinking about product strategy or partnerships or you know, these other many aspects of the business that are that I'm juggling is I mentally put on a different hat. <laughs> I am not now I'm not the CEO, now I'm not the co-founder, I'm a salesperson. And I actually think that's I think that's helpful in general, because, you know, I think, you know, in the Sandler sales methodology, they even talk about this for just for salespeople, your worth is not tied to the outcomes for, uh, you know, of your role. And so, but, but you can still really care about doing it well. And so it's like a very strange balance to strike that I am definitely still working on. But I think having different hats mentally, like I am not just a salesperson and I'm not just a CEO. I'm also a wife. I'm also a, a dog mom. <laughs> I'm also a sister and a daughter. And I have these other aspects that, that you know, comprise this, this person that is worthy. But, but you, it's easy to let yourself get tied to, like you said, tied to outcomes that maybe are superficial and actually aren't the outcome that, is, that really matters.
0: So say that again, your, wor- your worth is not tied to the outcome, but you can still really care a lot about the product. Is that what you said? Yeah. Well, and doesn't that, because it it's interesting, my, my next question was going to be something around like, no doubt you experience lulls and days when you don't get responses and or there's, well, and so that no doubt that mindset though of my worth is not tied to the outcome. Like you're just focused on the value that you're bringing.
1: Yes. And that is hard, by the way. And I do not always rise above it. <laughs> Well, because I
0: find my like I, I've always said that I'm naturally a good salesperson because I am so passionate and care so much about what we're doing. I see the value in it, but that that gets in my way because I do take it really personally. Like how how could you not see the value? How could you not go with go with this on this?
1: I feel that a hundred percent. Especially that that, and that's one of the reasons why the different hats. Why I brought that up because. Being the CEO and being a co-founder, there, I t- I do take the rejection hard because I I it feels personal. Like this is my baby, this is my you know this is my <laughs> this is my company. I'm the face of this. It, it all it does feel personal. So that is why that is why I have been so focused on the different hats and under you know <laughs> thinking about the whole picture and the affirmations and the, the daily practice around that and celebrating the the wins. Like really celebrating the wins. I'm not good at that. I see wins. Normally my typical way of being is a win is just meeting expectations. So, okay, moving on. And, (laughs) but a failure is something to dwell on. And so reconditioning and priming my mind.
0: Yeah. Okay. So I love it. So, so there are lots of things that you do to like keep yourself in it going in those, in those challenging moments. Yes, absolutely. Good strategies. Well, so let's talk a little bit about the business that you started. I mean, what what an exciting time. What an exciting and terrifying time, as you say. But the, the tool that you provide is so important in the marketplace right now because it's all about equitability, equitably hiring. So talk a little bit about your product and the value that it's providing to your clients.
1: Yes. Oh, my God. So excited to talk about it, actually. Thank you for asking. So we've seen, I mean, we've, we've talked, you know, in building this product, we've talked to hundreds of talent acquisition leaders and hiring managers. And the resounding thing we've heard is that essentially interviewing, there's, there's a huge, there's a wide open door for bias and gut feeling in terms of the way that hiring decisions are made. And in general, there's just, there's really poor execution on interviews because we're not handing off information effectively. We're not prepared enough for these interviews. And then we go off script. You know, we we get into these random conversations during interviews based on whether someone is like us or has a similar background. And, and of course we're human. So we do we build rapport in that way. But it's so important that we interview consistently for the sake of equitable interviewing and hiring and decision making. So our solution basically we're not leaving it up to chance anymore as to whether we actually are consistent and equitable in the way we interview. We our, our solution essentially acts as a guide on interviews and throughout the interview process to ensure that that every member of a selection team is consistent, is coordinated, provides a great candidate experience while interviewing equitably and reaching a decision that's not based on gut feeling.
0: Yeah, I, was there anything on the market that did that?
1: There are so many as you know, HR technology solutions that are that are focused on various parts of the process. You know, we have ATSs of course, which are making huge strides for us. In terms of scorecards and, and structured interviewing. And then there are a lot of top of the funnel solutions around you know, screening and sourcing candidates. But where we differ is that we are 100% focused on the actual interviews themselves, the content of the interviews.
0: So because so, this is, I mean, th- th- there's not an organization, well, let's hope there's not an organization isn't thinking about their DE&I strategy in today's world. And so what an important part of your strategy thinking about your hiring practices and your interview processes. What a great way to ensure that you're consistent and fair across.
1: Yes, I'm so passionate about that and I'm this is you know and this gets me through too. This is another strategy. I'm so passionate about what we're what we've built and how we're serving customers and so it it keeps me focused. Like we we this mission is is so important. I don't think there's anything more important. And it's really your team is the backbone of your organization. So it's, it's something you want to, you want to really do it right.
0: Yeah. So you've got a clear why that's driving you, but you know, here, here's what I just listening to you, Grace, and looking at your, looking at your journey, listening to your journey, you are so well equipped to lead this, to drive this passion in the market right now, because of all the skills and the experiences you've had. It's really fun. I, It'll be great to see, to see how it all evolves. I'm so excited for you.
1: Thank you. I'm excited too.
0: Well, you have given us a lot of insight and inspiration around being terrified and doing it anyway. (laughs) (laughs) You know, my my key takeaways are just all the things around, like, getting right with myself around my mindset. The daily affirmations is such a simple but great strategy, reframing resistance, into I am statements, something anybody can do. Catching those thought patterns that are limiting are not helpful. So, thank you for sharing that.
1: Thank you for, for asking me about it.
0: So good. If our listeners want to connect with you, what is the best way for them to do that?
1: Two ways. So, uh, grace at lumateams.com, L U M A T E A M S.com, or you can find me at on LinkedIn, Grace Tyson. It's just Grace Tyson in the URL, all all one word together. Thank you, Grace. Thank you. So nice to talk to you.
0: Thank you for joining us for this episode. Please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast to never miss a being at work story.